Hey, Road to Life, we love you. We're so glad to be back together on our podcast. This week, we're hearing from Pastor Jill Shepline. She did a great message this Sunday, so we're excited to share it with you. For more information, visit roadtolifechurch.com, and we'll see you next week. started last week on the ABCs and XYZs of Jesus in the home because all of us need more of Jesus, right? We all have a home, whether we're single, whether we have our family right now, whether we're like my husband and I, we have four grown kids and three grandkids and, you know, so we're, we're, we kind of moved on now and some of us are older and we have grandkids and stuff like that, but we still have a home and we want more of Jesus in the home, right? And so we all need um, the ABCs would be the basics. The few basic things that we never should leave is the love of God and the grace of God and the goodness of God and the forgiveness in our homes and, and in our lives and in our families. And then there's XYZs, other things that we should be doing in our lives. And sometimes we need to evaluate ourselves and make sure we're just growing because John 15 talks about he's the vine and we're the branches and we are to bring forth fruit. And sometimes he prunes off the dead wood and it says there that so that we'll bring forth more richer and better and more abundant fruit because God is into fruitful Christians. He's not into uh, dried up non-fruitful Christians. He loves us and he wants you to be fruitful in your life, in your family. So if you're, if the fruit of the spirit is something that we all grow in, fruit grows, right? And Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of his spirit or love and joy and peace. And you know, we all should be growing throughout our lives in those things. And if we're not, if we're regressing, that means that we need to be pruned. We need to repent of something. We need to change a mindset. We need to change an activity. Maybe we need to worship God more in our home. Maybe we need to be in the Bible more and reading it and meditating on it and observing to do it. Because Joshua 1.8 says, when you do that, you'll make your way prosperous and have good success. God is wanting you to prosper and move forward and break out in your life and in your family and in your home. And so that's one way to do it is meditate his word and observe to do it in your life and declare it over your family in the name of Jesus. So we we talked about number one last week was turning to Jesus. God, if we'll turn to Jesus in everything, he'll help us. He'll deliver us. He'll provide for us. He'll heal us. If we'll turn to Jesus. The thing is, is we know that as an ABC. We, many of us know that, but sometimes we don't do it. We, we don't turn to him first. We turn to everything else first. We turn to our own selves first, our own reasoning first, um, other people first. We turn to other things first. Turn to Jesus first and teach your children to do that because nobody's perfect on this earth, right? Except Jesus. And so we all need to turn to Jesus, praise Jesus, thank Jesus every day and look to him to guide us, to give us wisdom. You need wisdom today. Get in the book of Proverbs and pray and ask God for it. He said he'd give it liberally. So um, I hope this will help you today. But you know, a lot of times people go through things in their life because as time goes on, you're going to face things on this earth. And some of them are uh, sad 
bad and some of them are disappointing and sometimes our kids make choices that we don't like. Hello, if you got any teenagers today, sometimes you don't like that. You love them, but you don't like that. So um, I'm going to help you with that. But Martha and Mary and Lazarus, I wanted to touch on this because I felt like God stirred them up in my heart today to encourage somebody here. And um, if you remember, Martha and Mary and Lazarus were dear friends of Jesus. He loved them, the Bible said. He went to their home. Remember, Martha the busy one and Mary sat at his feet. Well, something happened in their family. Something that they had no control over. And it's said that Lazarus, in John 11, that Lazarus got sick. And the first thing they did, which I love about them, is in verse 3, John 11:3, 3, it says, So the two sisters, Mary and Martha, sent a message to Jesus, telling him. So they called on Jesus, and they said, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But Jesus waited. The Bible says he waited two days. But then... The situation even got worse, and the friend Lazarus died. It looked beyond hope. It looked, it was dead. And for four days he was in the tomb, and Jesus showed up. I don't know if that meant he waited six days or more. I don't know. All I know is it went from bad to worse. And Jesus said to uh, the disciples, because sometimes when we're in situations and we call on Jesus and we have to wait, and we're like Jesus, like Martha and Mary said to Jesus, Jesus, where were you? Because if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Where were you, Jesus? Sometimes in our situations, we're going, Jesus, where are you? Where are you? And Jesus said something in this this passage, he said, this is for the glory of God. Because sometimes in our waiting, in a situation, God is about to reveal something to us of himself. Something that's very powerful. Something that's very healing. Something that's very helpful. Something that we haven't had the depth of understanding that he wants us to have. And so God was revealing himself to his friends, those that he loved right here. And and the Bible says that he went there and um, I, um, in verse 22, it looked bad. He died. And Martha said this to uh, Jesus. She said, even now, I know, even now that it looks beyond possibility because this is a story of Jesus moving when it looked impossible. Everything's possible to them that believe everything. And so this is a miraculous story of not only a type of the resurrection that one day we'll all be resurrected again, but it is a type of in our death situations, in the things that happen in our lives that look beyond hope, that God is a God who resurrects, that God is a God who brings life, if we'll believe it. Because that's what he, uh, in verse 22, Martha said to him, but even now, even in the midst of this beyond hope situation, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. See, she got, she was thinking prophetically, yeah, we're all going to rise again, but that's not what he meant. He meant now in this situation. And I love in verse 25, this is a verse that we should teach all of our children. 
children. It's the most wonderful verse. I love this verse, and many of you know it, but it's Jesus revealed to Martha, the busy one that ran out there. He revealed, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And other versions say, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He, he revealed his glory right there saying, I'm the resurrection. And that word in the Greek means a standing up again. Okay, he did it literally with, with Lazarus. But to us in our situations that look hard, that look difficult, he said, I am the resurrection. I'll stand you up again. And it means a recovery. It means raised to life again. So maybe you're in a marriage, maybe you're in a situation, maybe you're in a health thing that looks beyond hope. I'm telling you, he said, I am the resurrection. I can cause you to stand up again and recover. I can raise you to life again. And I am life. I bring life to people. And so that's what he wanted them to know. Anyone who believes will live, uh, yet though it looks hard. And you know, so he went to the tomb and, and, and he said, roll away the stone. Because God removes our obstacles and calls us out of that place. And that's what he did with Lazarus. The Bible said, Martha said, oh my gosh, he stinks, Lord. He's stinking. And you might be in some sort of a stinky situation today. But Jesus is calling you out of that place. Because he said, the Bible said he prayed and he cried with them. This is one place where you see Jesus wept. He wept with his friends and he prayed. He said, God, I know you always hear me. And then he said, Lazarus, come out. And I'm telling you, there's nothing like Jesus calling you out of your something. There's nothing like Jesus calling you out of that thing you've been stuck in. There's nothing like Jesus calling you out of that apathy or out of that, that addiction or whatever's been binding you or harming you. Jesus calls us out. He calls us to new life in him. I love that. And so Jesus calls called Lazarus out and he came out of that tomb. What a mighty miracle. And in verse 44, it said, and the dead man came out, John 11:44. and the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Because sometimes Jesus will call you out of an addiction. He'll call you out of a problem and he'll give new life to you and give restoration to you. But you're wrapped up in lots of grave clothes and and the bible said there unwrap him friends and family in the church unwrap you so you can move forward and be free that's why we need one another see he was all wrapped up came out alive but he was all wrapped up in stuff and sometimes we're all wrapped up in bad habits in bad mindsets in bad things that have bound us and we need to be unwrapped we need help from our brothers and sisters in Christ we need help from godly family and friends that want to help us move forward in our life and that's what we should do for one another and in our families we should be encouragers to help them move forward give them the truth in love and let's move forward out of those hard places out of, because we need one another so the first thing is turn to Jesus in everything turn to him in prayer turn to him in the truth do what he says do turn to the word turn to God in church go to church regularly you know Jesus said in, it says about Jesus in Luke 4 16 
that he regularly went to the synagogue, as was his custom. He regularly went. If Jesus regularly needed to go, I think I need to go. I need to go, too, and worship God. So let's follow his example and turn to Jesus in everything. And then number two today in the ABCs, next YZs, more Jesus. I want more Jesus. Say more Jesus. More Jesus in our lives. Amen. So choose to obey God's word. Choose to obey. Teach your family to obey. And it starts with you being an example of that. Choose to obey what you know. Choose to be a doer of the word. James 1.25 says, the doer who doesn't forget the image of the mirror of the word, he doesn't forget what God says and what he should look like. He walks away and doesn't forget, and he does it. He does what he sees in the mirror of the word that's the image of God and what God says to us. He doesn't forget it, but he does it. He's going to be blessed, highly favored in his life of obedience. That's what James 1.25 says. There's a blessing to obedience. Teach your children to obey the voice of God. It's in his word. It's by his spirit. Teach your children to obey your voice in their lives. Okay. Uh, because you know, it starts with us. And I know that sometimes we've made mistakes. All of us have made mistakes. Okay. Nobody's perfect, but Jesus, we just say, God, I'm sorry. I made that mistake. And if you need to apologize to somebody else, please do it. But, um, uh, all of us have made mistakes, but some of us have done such a great job in trying to train these into our kids, you know, the ways of God, and we've prayed for our kids, and then they got older, and they made some, some dumb choices, and, you know, sometimes people's kids are in prison. I've heard the stories. Sometimes people, um, their kids turn go to college and choose an alternative lifestyle and they're just broken hearted over that. They tried to raise them right. I'm telling you, if that's you today, don't beat yourself up. You did the best you could do and they make their choices. But we can pray, can't we? We can pray today. We can pray Ephesians 1.18 where the eyes of their understanding be enlightened, where they come to know the hope of their calling. We can pray that God sends laborers into their life that will love them and that will show them his way. And I've seen it happen over over and over again to praying parents. I love that book, The Power of the Praying Parent by Stormy O'Martin. I encourage you to get that book. It's a blessing and it's good for us to pray for our families. But it starts with us obeying. And so many in the, uh, America today say they're Christians and say they love God. But John 14, 23 and 24, Jesus said, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and will come and make our home with each of them. Do we want more Jesus in our home than we need to obey Jesus? Obey his commands, obey his word, obey what he says. Uh, obey what the Bible says about the way to think, that, that we are to think on things that are pure, lovely, good report. Some of us, we need to obey him in our attitudes. They have more kind attitudes, loving attitudes, humble attitudes in our lives. Whatever it is, choose to obey because we're an example of that. And so Jesus in verse uh, 24, he said, uh, we'll make our home in 23. We'll make our home with each of them. We want more Jesus. We want to sense more Jesus. Let's do what he says. Let's go back to doing what he says, ABCs. Um, verse 24 says, anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the father who sent me. So we got to have a willing heart. Say, God, Give me a willing heart to obey. 
Not my way, but your way. Your ways of life. Your ways of goodness. Your ways of love. Help me, Jesus. Amen. You know, in the, in the beginning, God, the first family course, God created Adam and Eve. And they were in the Garden of Eden. And that Garden of Eden, Eden meant pleasure and delight. Oh, it must have been a beautiful, great place. And they walked with God in the garden. That was God's original design. And God wanted to teach them to, to obey him freely. It wasn't a make you thing. It wasn't a legalistic thing. If we tend to be a little more legalistic, then we need to be more graceful, giving freedom and love. You know, but some of us who have too much on that side, grace and mercy and stuff, need a more truth. So there's a balance, right? Because a family does better with a balance of both, grace and truth. And so we need both. And so in the garden, if you remember in verse uh, Genesis 2, 16, God told him, he said, he said, well, before this, he said, I want you to guard and keep and tend the garden and name the animals. And he walked with them there. But the Lord God warned him, and this is Adam, you may freely eat of the tree of every green. Uh, every tree in the garden except verse 17 the tree of the knowledge of good and evil if you eat this fruit you are sure to die so God was a loving father he's the best example and he said to his kids you can freely eat and this is the way we should talk with our families you can freely do this 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 and this but if you do that this is what's going to happen to you okay so know the so freely give them lots of you know and then say but if you do that if you go beyond this this is the consequence and be consistent in your family be consistent okay because that's the way God did it he gave a consequence there and we know what happened the old devil came in Genesis 3 it says in verse 1 the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made and one day he asked the woman did God really say you know that's one of the devil's tempting tactics he wants you to doubt and question doubt and question did God really say did God really say he would heal you did God really say he would provide for you did God really say did God really say he wants you to doubt and disbelieve what God says and we got to clearly know what God says because she said well now God said we could eat of every tree but we we can't eat the tree in the middle of the garden or touch it she got it a little mixed up okay I don't know if Adam told her wrong or if she just wasn't listening to Adam I don't know but anyway they they I don't know but anyway, she got it a little mixed up. And in verse 4, the devil said to her, you won't die. You won't die. Because why? Because he's a liar and he wants you to disobey God. He's a liar. He lets us think these certain things to lead us astray. In fact, deception means to wander away from the truth. We know the truth, but we're wandering away from it, far from it. And God wants us to obey because there's a blessing to obedience. Teach your children that. So um, the woman was convinced in verse uh, six, it says she saw that the tree was beautiful. Today, people are looking at some of the wrong things. Okay. 
because she saw it. It looked delicious. She wanted the wisdom it could give her. So she took some of the fruit. She ate it. She gave some to her husband who was with her. He was right there. He should have stood up and said, nope, God said we cannot do this. He should have spoke up. Speak up today, people. God says we shouldn't do this. I'm not doing it. Okay, so let's follow the original design, give a lot of freedom, but give consequences. Because then it says that when they disobeyed God, then they felt shame, they covered, they hid themselves. God knew where they were, but look at what it says. He asked questions, where are you? Now you know God knew, God knows everything, right? God knew where they were. He probably knew what they did. Absolutely. But he'd already provided a way through Jesus. He'd already provided a way. That's the good news. But he said, he, he, they said, we, we were naked and we were ashamed. So, you know, we hid ourselves. And, you know, that's what happens when people get into sin. They get ashamed. They're hiding instead of running to God, instead of running to the church, instead of running to the word, which sets us free. But that's the enemy tactic. We got to resist that. We got to resist that because we got to run to God. He loves us. He's good to us. He'll free us, help us, and, and heal us in everywhere we need it if we'll turn to him. So uh, he asked questions. Ask questions of your teenagers. Ask them questions. Don't go in there like the accuser of the brother because that's what the devil does. You did this. I know you did that. You know, assuming bad about our kids. Let's ask questions. Have you did this? Did you do that? You know, and so that's what did God said. He said, have you eaten from the tree who, from the fruit I commanded you not to eat? So he asked it questions and then, then what happened? They blamed one another. Nobody took responsibility and said, yes, we ate. Sorry. We did. We shouldn't have did it, but we did. No, they blamed. Remember? Adam said, the woman. And the woman said, the serpent. And, um, you know, and so they all got a consequence for their disobedience. And we're all still reaping that today. We're all still reaping it, except that God sent Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus, because he restores us back again, walking with, with him. But um, in obedience and in teaching our families obedience, Choose personal responsibility. Just own it up. Just say, yes, I did that. Did you do that? Yes, I did. Take personal responsibility in your life, and it'll go better in your family. If you had a bad attitude, yes, I had a bad attitude. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Take personal responsibility. We got too many. We got a society of blamers today. We got a society of enabling bad behavior. Reward good behavior. Give consequences to bad behavior. Reward the good behavior. Reward them for doing good. Reward your children for doing good. Catch them doing good. Everybody does wrong, but help them to own up and not blame. And we got to be an example of that. We got to own it up, own your stuff. If you said it wrong, if you did something wrong, take responsibility and say, I'm sorry to you, I did that wrong, or whatever. Okay, so let's choose personal responsibility. Let's not pass the buck like our society is doing. Let's teach our kids to obey. And remember that little children, if you have little ones, it's yes and no and concrete 
concrete, simple. They don't get the reasoning. They don't get all the choices and the why until they're a little bit older. So Proverbs 13, 24 says, he, I, be consistent in your discipline. If you have little children, he who withholds the rod of discipline hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines and trains him diligently and appropriately with wisdom and love. I love that. I carried a little spoon. That's what that rod means. I carried a little spoon in my purse. And if I told them no, and the, now they didn't get in trouble for childish things like spilling crumbs. And that's what they do are curious. They're unrolling the toilet paper and playing in the toilet. You know, that's what kids do. That's what they do. We just tell them, no, don't do that. But you know, that's what they do kind of, but we, we spank them for, um, disobedience. When you told them, you know, they knew and they did it anyway. You got to spank them for that. Okay. And be, you know, and you say, why did you get a spank? And mama doesn't want to spank you or daddy or whatever. We don't want to spank you because we love you. Um, what did you do? And have them say, I disobeyed, you know, and then, okay, don't do it again. Okay. So this is just trying to help us. Okay. Proverbs 23, 13, 14 says, do not withhold discipline from the child. Be consistent. If you say you're going to do, okay. If you give a consequence, do that consequence, but don't be overboard with your consequence. Some people get angry. Calm down, calm down. Don't do it like that. You're grounded for a month, and you know you don't want to be around them for a whole month. You know you don't. You know that you don't. You know you don't want them sitting in the house uh, uh, for a whole month. You want them going. You know, don't do that. May, may it ma may the consequence match the crime, right? And you know you might need to discuss that with your spouse because one of you might be real lenient and the other one real, you know. And you got to come together on that. Now you can't have them going around you to them and them letting them. You know what I'm saying? You got to be in agreement, okay, on your consequence. Okay, so I'm trying to help us today. Reward obedience and um, and um, give consequences. And as they get older, they don't need a spanking. They need a consequence. They need the game taken away. They need the car keys taken away or, you know, oh, you didn't clean your room. Oh, you can't do that fun thing till that responsibility gets taken care of. Oh, you wanted to, oh, I wanted you to go too. I'm so sorry. You can't go now because you knew, you knew that that needed to get done. That responsibility, oh, responsibilities are before fun, but we love to have fun. Oh, I want you to have fun, but that has to get done first because you're training their life, right? I had one of the teenagers always forgetting stuff, want me to bring it to the school. And I, you know, I did that a little bit and it became a pattern that I was enabling bad behavior. So at one day I, I warned them, I said, now look, you leave that paper or that sports thing one more time and you call me and ask me to bring it, I'm going to be telling you no, because you need to remember you're going to need to remember at your job to bring your stuff. You're going to need to remember, and I'm trying to help you. I love you. I've helped you. Remember, I helped you. Oh, you don't help me. I'm like, I helped you. I helped you here. I helped you here. I, you got to remind them sometimes. You know what I'm saying? I helped you here. I helped you here. See, we helped you here. You're forgetting. We helped you. Some people do that with God. They forget how much he helped them. He helped them. Yes, he's helped us. And they're mad about this thing right here, but he's helped them so much. And that's the thing with our parents. So he called me. He, oh, I shouldn't say, but I won't tell you who it was. <laughs> he called me and I said, oh, darn, you forgot it today. I can't remember my exact words. You did. You forgot. It. I'm so sorry you forgot it. Will you bring it to me? No. 
Oh, are you kidding me? That is not a good mother. Good mother. You know, they'll try to guilt you, try to, you know, manipulate you a little bit. And you know, all of us, we hate that, right? We hate it. But you got to stick to your guns. I'm sorry. Nope. I'm not bringing it. I won't be bringing that today. You're not doing nothing. You know, <laughs> that, was, that was the one that said we ran a business and I had four kids and I worked in the church, tons of working in the church even, y'all. And that one said, you know, when I grow up, I want to be just like you doing nothing. <laughs> you know, you just don't do anything. <laughs> Some of the things the kids say. Okay, I'm trying to help us today. Okay, give consequences. Listen, if you got little kids today, Dare to Discipline, Dr. James Dobson, please read it. It's awesome for little children especially. It's a classic. He's a Christian psychologist, been around forever. And then I want to encourage you, if you're parents today, these I wish I would have had when my kids were growing up. They're called the Boundaries Books, Boundaries for Kids, Boundaries for Teens, Boundaries for Marriages, and they give you lots of scriptures, and they give you practical help when you're dealing with different things that you don't know what to do with. So please get those books. And then number three is in your family, the ABCs, the ABCs. But all of us have to obey God, right? Because there's a blessing in obedience. I'm just trying to help families right now, but all of us should obey. In no, and number three today uh, in the ABCs and XYZs of more Jesus in our home is target love. Target love. Target love in your life. God is love. The Bible says it. First John 4, 8, God is love. We can't over love in our lives his goodness draws people to repentance to turn around it's his love that draws us it's his love that changes us it's his love that values us we should be affirming 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 the good things in the people around us we should be appreciating, very thankful, and not taking people for granted around us. We should be appreciating. The love of God, the love of God lifts us all to more than what we can do ourselves. Does, doesn't he just lift you higher? He, because he believes in you, because he's valued you, loved you so much, understands you, knows you. And so, Let's have that in our lives. Let's target love, not just a selfish existence. We're happier people when we're loving, giving people. First Peter 4, 8, above all things, have intense, above all things, above making money, above um, your accomplishments and your goals and all those are good things. Above all things, have intense and unfailing love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins, and we all have them, forgives and disregards the offenses of others. First Peter 4, 8 also says in the Amplified, uh, the regular one, I, I wanted to, to see it in both. Above all, have fervent and unfailing love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. It overlooks unkindness and unselfishly seeks the best for others. Seek the best. Seek the best for the people around you and encourage them towards that, towards God. Love forgives, it gives grace, it's patient and kind, it's righteous and good, it isn't envious, it's not proud. Teach your family that God's love, what God's love is, and try to walk as an example in that. And when you miss it, apologize. 
But let's have a lot of affirming in our homes. Let's find the good in people. Let's encourage. Let's appreciate. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, it says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love. Say, God, fill me with more love. Help me, God, to be a blessing around me. Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God, because sometimes love is sacrificial. And we don't like that because sometimes we're a little bit selfish. All of us, a little bit sometimes. And sometimes when we're tired, we need to give, right? And sometimes when we're grumpy, we need to get happy and rejoice, right? And we need to appreciate the good qualities in the people around us. Appreciate, appreciate. And then number four is use your gifts. Use your gifts and live to give. Everybody's gifted. God has gifted every one of us with something. We're either a helper, a leader, an administrator, a teacher. We all have gifts. The Bible says it. In 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. If you're in your gifts, serving in your gifts, you're going to be a happier Christian. Because you're an employed, energized, active Christian. So use your gifts and look for the gifts of God in your children. We try to uh, inspire our kids towards their giftedness. Not what we thought they should do, but what they were gifted in. I had one that just used to build those little Lego things, especially in the winter. On and on and on. He's a builder today. That was a gift. And he loves it. And he's good at it. And, um, you know, the rest of my kids felt so called. And when they were teenagers, a very sort of selfish, you know, it's me, 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 when you're, you know, in the selfies and all that, when they're teenagers. And so we sacrificed and we would send them and take them on missions where they could see that we're so blessed in America, where they could see the lack in other countries. We did that on purpose so that they could see the need around them and people needed. So, you know, we encouraged them to serve God. We brought them to church to use their gifts to advance God's kingdom and be a blessing around them. We encouraged that with our teens and with our, with our kids. And then, so, you know, their gift might not be the same as you. Be okay with that. Because sometimes people want to live out their gifting, the, you know, what they want in their kids. And they want their kids to achieve something that's not in the kid's heart. So don't do that to your kids because that's not good for your kids. Inspire them. Inspire them in their gifts. Inspire your spouse in their gifts. Inspire one another and encourage one another to use your gifts and talents to honor and please God and to serve him with, okay? Because, and live to give. I tell you, we have lived a life to give to people, to be a blessing to people. And show that to your kids, living a life to give. Giving, I'm not talking about just financially, but I am because we were givers and we're blessed today. And we, but we gave in other ways. We gave in our service. We gave to be a blessing. We, we gave to, to help. We gave to the church to, to serve and build up the kingdom. So, you know, because in Acts 20, 35, the Bible says it, it says it's more blessed to give 
than to receive. It's so true. You'll, you'll be happier, a happier Christian. So I just want to encourage you today. I hope I did because ABCs and XYZs of Jesus in your home is turn to Jesus in everything, the big and the small, to choose to obey God's word. It starts with you and your example. Number three is target love in your lives. And number four is use your gifts and live to give. May God bless you for it. May God bless you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, God. <laughs> I didn't know if I could get done today, but I did. Thank you, God. <laughs> that was awesome. How many of you know what I'm saying? Whether you're here in your 92 or 3, Chuck, or you're here and you have little kids, they're all principles in the Word in our lives. You know, the, the statement that um, sometimes in our lives, in this discontented world that we live in, I'm amazed um, when I go to other countries, especially third world countries, and you realize how happy people are without all the stuff. And they don't even need it. They don't, uh, and, and especially if you go into real remote places where they don't have TVs, so they don't even know that they don't have. They just think, you know what, I got a piece of sugar cane, and I'm chewing on that, and life is really, really good. And I look at that, and I think, and I, um, I, when Jill said something, I just want to um, uh, realize this, that envy what it does is it robs us of contentment in our life. Whenever we're looking at somebody else, we can't be content because we are comparing to somebody else. And, and sometimes in our lives, we're saying, oh, I'm, I'm not content or whatever, 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 is maybe you have to stop and say, you know what, I've, I've had envy or maybe I'm, and, and, and to just say, Lord, and one of the greatest ways to get free of that is to take our eyes off of ourselves and onto somebody that needs or that has something in their life that you can help and that you can reach out and you can give to. Because what it does is sometimes we they say, oh my gosh, you just blessed me so much. But really the greatest blessing is when we are not focused on ourselves, but we're looking at somebody else. When we can look at, see, God created us that way, where we just look in and say, I just want to be a blessing. I just want to help because I know this, there's always somebody that is in a worse place than where we're at. And if we'll just stop and say, God, I'm just going to be a blessing. Stand to your feet if you would. Stand to your feet. Oh my gosh, you know, when Jill was sharing and she said, you know, when your kids you know, you, you don't discipline them for unrolling the toilet paper or playing in the toilet. How many of you know? And I looked, I, I, I looked over at Jeff and said, I still do that. How many of you know? <laughs> I, I, I wonder today, you're here and you've never given your heart to Christ or you have, but you're not where you should be and you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. God provides U-turns in our life. But we're the one that has to say, Lord, I'm turning the wheel. Lord, I'm going to turn the wheel. 
I don't, I'm not, sometimes, Lord, you take the wheel. There's times he will take the wheel, but there's other times he says, you need to now turn that wheel. And I wonder today you're here and you say, you know, that's me. Right now, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to the Holy Spirit and allow him to bring freedom to your life, to lift your spirit. Maybe you're here and you say, I feel like I'm caught in something. I'm stuck in this. The answer is to say, Lord, I'm going to turn the wheel toward you. I'm going to go all in with you. And Lord, I'm going to trust you right now with my life. I'm going to trust you. You're here today. Realize this is not about religion. It's about a relationship. God wants a relationship with you. He wants you to sense him. He wants you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Maybe you're here and you say, you know, I've been a Christian for 20, 30, 40 years, and I've just grown dry on the inside, just going through the grind of life. I want to encourage you. God has refreshing for your life right now. But he wants you to say, Lord, I'm just coming back fresh, and I give you my heart. I give you my life, and Lord, I'm all in. I'm not going to hold any of the chips back. I'm going to slide all of them in and go all in with you. Just let's just close our eyes for a moment and bow our head. You say, that's me. Today, I need to either accept Christ for the first time or I need to rededicate my life to him. I want to pray with you right where you're at. You say, that's me. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to lift your hand. By lifting your hand, that is like turning the wheel. You're saying, I'm coming out of the comfortable, and I say, yes, we're all going to pray together, but that's you. One, two, three. Lift your hand to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I want to lead us all in this prayer. Say this with me. Jesus, thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your Holy Spirit. I invite you right now to come into my heart and come into my life. I repent of my sins and I invite you, be Lord, not any Lord, but the Lord of my life. I give you my heart and the rest of my life. I choose Jesus today. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.